and welcome to Feed and Flourish, the bite-sized podcast series from the Closters Forum with me, Hannah McInnes. In this series, I'll be talking to experts about biodiversity and about ways in which we can transform our food systems in order to positively preserve our planet. The Closters Forum brings together thought leaders and decision makers in the Swiss Alps to inspire discussions and cultivate collaborations around some of the world's most pressing environmental challenges. Hi, my name is Ella Mills and I am the founder and creative director at Deliciously Ella. Well, thank you so much for joining us and for doing this. And goodness, there is such a great deal we could talk about. But given that this podcast is about how the way we eat affects the planet and the environment, I hope we can focus as far as possible on that. You're obviously a pioneer of plant-based eating. And you began in 2012 when it was really rather an alien concept. You've blazed a trail that over the past decade has turned mainstream. It's now hugely popular and talked about. But when you began, as well as being quite niche, I think I'm right in saying that environmental concerns weren't a big part of the picture for you, were they? They weren't your original motivating force. No, absolutely not being completely transparent. Um, And for me, I was really only interested, I came at it after I was very unwell. And so I was really interested, I guess, selfishly in diet from a health perspective to see how it could help me manage my health. And I I did actually find, you know, as you said, plant-based wasn't the kind of norm at this point. And I found that it was quite polarized. You had the kind of more sort of, actually coming out of kind of the west coast of America newer take on plant-based that was very focused on health and well-being and nutrition and so it was very focused on kind of whole foods and fresh ingredients actually it was quite a lot of kind of raw food and things like that involved a lot of dehydrating and sprouting and kind of quite funky and and new and, and actually not quite right for me um just because it was kind of so alien to the way I'd eaten before but then you had the kind of I found then on the flip side, you then had the kind of plant-based, more slightly actually evangelical vegan, which was more rooted in the environmental side. And that was very focused in terms of kind of diet on like meat substitutes, you know, so it was like vegan sausages and vegan burgers. And it was trying to replicate everything in a meat diet, you know, with like vegan bolognese. And um, so a lot of kind of corn, you know, QU kind of corn. And um which yeah so it was quite polarized but it's not it wasn't something I knew kind of a huge amount about I came at it from a health perspective and then the more I started to learn just by researching around the sorts of foods and recipes and ideas the more I started to appreciate that there was this kind of fundamental link to the environment also to a kind of ethical perspective and I I have definitely subsequently found that people tend to come at a plant-based or primarily plant-based diet for one of those three reasons. It's either like their physical health, really, or it's um, the environment or it's ethical reasons. Yes, exactly. That's what I was going to move on to. I mean, you don't need me to tell you that you have been a phenomenal success. I mean, an extraordinary success story. And I'm wondering, how much do you think people in making these choices, these lifestyle choices, insofar as they're choosing to eat in this way, how much do you think they are influenced by environmental concerns? Do you think more and more that is a big part of what changes their habits? 
I mean, we've certainly seen that at Delicious Ciela that it's become kind of more and more part of the conversation. Um, although, you know, I think it's very interesting and, you know, it's it's quite anecdotal, but I, I have noticed that, you know, there can often be a disconnect. And, you know, look, I think as human beings, we can be kind of fundamentally quite self-serving. And I think that's just a kind of, you know, it's a biological evolutionary protection mechanism I'm sure but you know I found it very interesting for example like during all the kind of climate and marches and things inspired by Greta Thunberg the number of people I knew who were on those who kind of point blank refused to kind of take up a sort of vegetarian diet or at least primarily vegetarian or plant-based diet even though we know that as individuals it's one of the most impactful things that we can do tomorrow. You know, we cannot change all of our energy sources in the matter of 24 hours. It's impossible. You know, the world is set up in a certain way and we need power, like, you know, to run our houses and for, you know, all the rest of it to, whereas you can change your diet overnight, but, but there's definitely a lack of willing there. And I think we see it's something that people are more and more conscious of, but it, it's we and it may be that that's just you know what we do at delicious yellow is very focused on kind of whole foods and and so it's not we don't really do a huge amount with meat substitutes because i'm i'm not i think they're very interesting and i think they have a role to play but from a kind of day-to-day basis i'm not sold on them from a health perspective because they they are kind of ultra processed foods still and so maybe it's it's not the right audience but i definitely find that people still come to to our recipes and and to this way of eating as something more for their health and the health of their family with great knock-on effects to the environment rather than that being number one yes that's really interesting i mean you of course believe then that as individuals through change of diet we really can play a part in addressing these things in changing things i mean people often feel very helpless don't they as to what they can do themselves on a personal level. And you've just referred to it. Starting to think about changing your diet is something that really puts the power back with individuals. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, we've had some really interesting conversations in our podcast as well about this. And, you know, look, environmentalism is such a kind of complicated topic full of all kinds of contradictory ideas. And, and you know, I don't think there's any one way to, to do it right. And I think you also have to be practical about the modern world and and kind of existing in it and not kind of having so much guilt that it paralyzes you but I think there are you know studies are quite transparent about what we can do as individuals immediately that has a genuine impact and I think you know your diet for me feels like the most obvious place to start because it's fully in your own control and um and especially now that, you know, a plant-based vegetarian diet is so kind of normal and it's so readily available and it's, you know, part of every high street in the UK at least now. And and we, you know, the science is there and it's it's pretty crystal clear what a humongous impact it has. And yet, again, it's something that we shy away from, which I, I do find, you know, a little bit confusing. And look, I, I don't have a perfect environmental you know track record by any means like you know I fly you know I'm it's not it's definitely not a matter of preaching but I do I do find it confusing because it 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 does have such a huge impact and it does feel like quite an easy first step 
You say in your latest book, I think it is, that you're passionate about trying to make the wellness space and the eating of a plant-based diet feel more reasonable and achievable and enjoyable. But there is, isn't there, this really hard to shape perception that eating this way is expensive and elitist, that it's not something that's affordable and accessible for the average consumer. Can we disassociate this way of eating from that notion, do you think, that seems to have become so ingrained? Well, I think we have to, um, to be honest. And I think we have to do that both for, for the environment and also, you know, for our health as well. I think, you know, the two are definitely very, very linked there. Um, you know, and it's obviously very interesting in light of all the government's conversations now around our health and, and obesity and, and looking after our well-being and, and actually how critically important that is this year more than ever. But, you know, you're completely right. There is this kind of well, I think there's a few different preconceptions that go with it. One is this kind of elitist, um, kind of Gwyneth Paltrow, LA um, sort of vibe, effectively. And then the other one is a kind of super hippie, um, very alternative, kind of slightly bizarre way of life. And I think also for some people, it's still that it's going to be bland and unsatisfying and rabbit food. And, you know, you can't have a meal without a steak. And and that's completely fair enough as well. I mean, I think the shift we've seen in, in food in the last decade has been pretty radical. And, you know, it's, it's fair enough not to kind of to be kind of fully caught up with it in that sense. And, and it is kind of very different to especially, you know, the UK sort of tradition of meat and two veg. It's, it's really the opposite. Um, and so I think there's, you know, it's fair enough that, that that's going to take a while to change those perceptions. But I, I think we do need them to change. And there's there's no two ways around that. But, you know, I don't think that's going to be an easy change by any means. There's a lot in there that I'd like to come back to. But on obesity first, I mean, you're right. It feels like it's being talked about a lot at the moment. The government are really catching on, perhaps in a relatively refreshing way. Food is being talked about now a lot more as a result of corona. But notions of diet and restriction are one of the things, aren't they, that put people off. Trying to get this balance right when you have obesity on the one side, but then you have eating disorders like anorexia on the other, and people associate a diet with something restrictive. Um, but that is not what you are about, is it? I mean, you just have to look at your Instagram account. What you're about is something more positive and something that they can do actively putting things in to their diet rather than this negative perception of restriction and deprivation and taking things out. Absolutely. But again, I so appreciate that it's complicated. If you talk about a plant-based diet, for example, you know, no, it is not a diet in the sense of the word diet that we know and I think have the connotations of today which is like the Atkins diet and the Dukan diet and the whatever you know 5-2 diet which has a rule a rule book that says you can do this and you can't do this and you must do this and you must do that and it's not about eating a plant-based diet it's about looking after yourself and and looking after the planet but it needs to be delicious it's not about weight loss it's not about deprivation it's about abundance it's about flavor it's about genuine enjoyment. And I think, you know, if we know one thing, it's that nothing lasts unless you enjoy it. And it's as simple as that. It's about slow, steady changes that make you feel good. And that hopefully then, you know, in doing so, you you keep doing it. And that subsequently has a positive impact on the world around us. 
but it's not a diet in terms of there's no rule book and no this and no that and you know you can eat as much bread as you like I think that's key but I also appreciate that it is complicated because it is a slightly different way of eating and I think people do have this preconception that it is very kind of salady and it doesn't need to be salady at all and if it is salads it can be you know rice salads with sweet potatoes and chickpeas and loads of great carbohydrates and it's it's not about taking that sort of thing out not at all but I think shifting the way we eat is undoubtedly complicated and there are of course you know emotional complexities that I can't pretend don't exist in that and but at the same time you know only one in four adults even manages to eat their five a day and you know that that's not necessarily even enough and enough in itself and so we we do need this shift but I think part of the problem with the word diet and how we see the idea of diet today is that we see it as so binary like I think we look at food in such a reductionist way and you know a lot of that has just been these sorts of conversations around things like Duke and diet which have been really popular where it is very kind of black and white and you do this and you don't do that and you know, we need to take that away because I think it creates a really, 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 really negative mindset that we do really need to let go of. Absolutely. I mean, I think if anyone is listening and thinking in those terms, I would perhaps send them to your Instagram account and recent pictures that you've posted of the most delicious looking sandwiches I've ever seen. They certainly don't match up to many people's ideas of a diet. Exactly. And I think that's the point. But you're still focusing on the one today, you know, it's got hummus, so it's chickpeas and tahini and avocado and all those sorts of things. It's got loads of um, food in it that's incredibly good for you, but it's sort of it's nourishing for mind, body and soul. And I think that's that's absolutely essential. And so we do need to shift our, our idea of the word diet very much. So I think in order for this to be kind of sustainable, perhaps we or actually better still, you could pioneer a new word. Um, But moving on, you said that on all the high streets, it's very accessible. You can buy your produce at affordable prices in almost all the supermarkets. You can get them in the airports. But looking at supermarkets, who are a huge part of this, in your relationships with them, do you think that they are on board? Is there more they should be doing, particularly in terms of environmental concerns? Well, look, I think the challenge is, and, you know, the the thing that's that's unfortunate is that, you know, everything's kind of colliding, isn't it? It's like we've got Brexit this year, we've got COVID and we've got the environmental concerns and and the, and obviously the health concerns as well, which, you know, and, and the new sorts of regulations that the government's looking at there about what you can and can't sell at checkouts, for example. And I think ultimately for businesses to do good, they need to exist you know and and doing good is is about also you know providing jobs and and you know helping the economy in that sense and i think it is a really really challenging time because change is expensive and and it's a difficult time for any business to operate i, th- I think everyone has really positive intentions i genuinely do feel that but i think we're also driven by what consumers are used to and i think you know there's other parts of that that are really complicated it's just it's not just in the nuances of different words and i know this is a challenge we get a lot is you know like why are you a bit more expensive than a mars bar well a mars bar isn't really made of real food you know it's all ultra processed food that's kind of effectively manufactured in a factory And that is cheaper than using almonds and dates and cacao powder and and kind of oats and 
sort of real food effectively in that sense and there's no two ways around that and so I think it's again a challenge people expect to see a certain thing and that drives a lot of volume and that drives a lot of money and in order to keep going and to make changes and implement those changes they need the money and so it's a really it's a challenging cycle and I think expecting fast change is going to be difficult but I think you know we have certainly seen and you know Tesco especially like really 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 champion the plant-based agenda and they're they're doing really incredible things um incredible things there and really really championing it and and wanting to make a change but obviously you know consumer behavior takes a long time to change and we have to be mindful of that and I guess that's where I come back to again what we can do as an individual immediately and why don't we want to do that again lots to come back to on this but on this idea of why people don't necessarily adapt and want to take on this new way of eating. I mean, you say in the book to your readers, please try and ignore any frustration you may feel with the terminology if it doesn't immediately connect with you and come back to the core of the rationality behind it. Finding simple everyday tools, resources and recipes to help us all feel a little healthier and happier. But what is this frustration then that you refer to that you feel perhaps the supermarkets meet? And how do you counter that? Well, change isn't easy, is it? And I think that's, you know, that's, again, probably just, you know, I'm not a psychologist and I'd be fascinated to hear what someone has to say on it. But I think, you know, change is hard and motivating genuine change in your life is hard. And especially when you've got a lot else going on, which, again, everybody does right now. Um, And, you know, if you've got kids trying to get them on board, your husband, your partner, you know, wife, whoever it is, trying to get them on board. And, you know, I think, there's so many complex factors that goes go into it um and trying to get people to change overnight is really really hard but I guess I my frustration comes from a kind of closed-mindedness not to make some changes if yeah. you're passionate enough to speak up on the issue mm. and you do make them feel they're not as complicated as, as all of that I mean if someone's listening who feels that they they want to what what are your bits of advice about first steps look I think with any change that you make in your life it has to work for you and in that sense it has to be easy but it has to be enjoyable in order to be doable and I think that is where so much falls down which is that you kind of there's almost so sometimes when you make a change you make it from a negative place rather than a positive place and you know I think you see that a lot in dieting and and so saying you know I'm never going to do this I'm never going to do that and it it becomes really hard to kind of instigate on a day-to-day basis and I think you've got to find what is it that you enjoy what is it that you look forward to what is it that actually fits into your lifestyle in a manageable reasonable way that you feel you can constantly do and constantly want to do most importantly and I think you've you've got to start there and I think you know trying to overhaul everything in your life immediately is not going to happen and I think that's where the environmental bits can come in is it can feel really overwhelming and really challenging to feel like you've got to change everything in a 24-hour period Absolutely. But from a dietary perspective and recipes, for instance, if someone is wanting to make initial first small steps, what would be basic and helpful advice you think you could give them? I think you have to, again, I think you have to start with what you're adding in, not what you're taking out. And so, you know, if you don't eat that much kind of vegetarian food or, you know, the bulk of your meals aren't 70% vegetarian, to start there like where can you completely change it so that you've got sides which are really vegetarian and 
that you really enjoy and it's a great way of introducing them to your family and just start there and just do it slowly over time I think again we we can rush um changes through which it can feel overwhelming and so I would say like start by adding stuff in don't start by taking stuff away start by adding in things that you genuinely like that you genuinely want to cook and and that genuinely start to shift you to a more plant-based way of living but without changing that all overnight like I know for example you know one of a recipe that's really been very popular that we've had a few iterations of is a sort of lentil bolognese and we've got a delicious aubergine lentil bolognese and and one with sort of carrots and thyme and rosemary and oregano and things like that but I know lots of people who do it half beef and half lentils and I think that's you know that to me is the sort of place where I think makes a lot of sense as a place to start you know you're cutting your red meat consumption in half which obviously has a very positive impact on the planet as well as obviously then massively increasing your intake of things like fiber which we're massively short of but without it kind of completely sort of throwing off family meal times you know if you're feeding your kids for example and they're like what is this (laughs) and you you come from people who don't know this all is very familiar to you because when you first started out you didn't like which people find hard to believe you didn't really like fruit and vegetables yourself very much and you managed to adapt a delicious diet that suited you absolutely I I really didn't it really you know a salad was my worst nightmare and so I guess that really kind of prompted me to look at how can you do it in a way that feels like a reasonable um, evolution away from the way you have been eating into this and you know what like in our house you know we're always short on time doing too many things and like we eat 10 minute pasta God knows how many times a week, too many really for me to admit. But, you know, you literally just like saute red onion and garlic and then some red pepper and some mushrooms some tomatoes some courgettes. You can add a bit of pesto and, you know, pasta, chili. And it's literally there's nothing in the world easier than that. And there's nothing weird about it. And there's nothing that people are going to think, oh, that's really strange. This is very vegan. You know, it doesn't have to be all like courgette and things that that are sort of stereotypically veggie can just be getting more veg in and just starting with those kind of normal dishes or doing a sort of half and half and I think it is about slow gradual changes that feel doable for the long term because if you want to have that impact on the on the environment and on your own well-being like that's that's how it's going to be it's not going to be by big sweeping gestures that last 10 minutes you know if it lasts a week it's not going to have an impact Absolutely. And you've mentioned your podcast, which you speak to people from a whole variety of of worlds. I, I know that this subject has come up. And is there anyone in particular that you feel in this sphere, the sphere of planet friendly eating that you've spoken to who's particularly interested you or inspired you on that front? Yeah, I mean, the most impo- most amazing person we spoke to is a, an Oxford um, scientist called Joseph Poor, who did one of the biggest studies ever looking at um, the way we eat and the environment. And his find- findings were just kind of absolutely mind-blowing in terms of, you know, the impact that we have. And, you know, just like his study showed that avoiding meat and dairy was the single biggest way that you could reduce your impact on the earth. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's a that's a pretty huge thing to say. I mean, that the study showed that global farmland could be reduced by more than 75 percent, which just for context is the US, China, the EU and Australia all combined and still feed the world. And you could replant an area the size of Africa. 
So you think about the amount of carbon dioxide that you can take out of the air if you do that. And and that's not, you know, look, it's not reasonable to assume everyone's going to go vegan tomorrow. So this isn't going to happen. But I just think it's a very interesting, that's a pretty stark reality. And, you know, again, there have been very interesting studies, I think, on top of that, you know, showing that people say, oh, well, you know, almonds are bad for the environment, almond milk. And yes, almond milk's not as good for the environment as oat milk. But again, it has a significantly smaller impact than dairy milk does. And and again, yeah, so I think that that's what I found most interesting is just um, speaking to people where the facts are, are pretty plain. You've mentioned someone we have not yet had on the podcast. So I think I will thank you for that rather than um, worry that we haven't. And we'll be straight on to him, of course. But just to finish off, can I ask your movement, what you have done you've been hugely successful as I've said and in the years since you've started it's grown and grown but I want to know do you feel the momentum out there still strongly building and how do you keep that going I mean I know you work tirelessly to do so yeah no I do I I do feel like the momentum's there and I think you know, when I first started doing this, and I said, oh, I'm gonna, you know, follow a vegan diet, people looked at me like, you are so weird. And, you know, my no, I didn't know another vegan, it was definitely seen as a very strange kind of left field thing to do. And and that just does not feel like the case in any shape or form anymore. Um, which is incredibly exciting. I don't feel like, you know, I think there are a lot of stereotypes and and issues to be addressed for sure and I, I don't think it's a simple answer by any means and and I I don't you know for what it's worth believe that everyone should become a vegan or become a vegan tomorrow but I do just think for for so many different reasons but for, especially for our environment and for our health we need to eat a lot more of this food and the only way to do it is by making it mainstream and I think that really is happening and I think people are becoming increasingly open-minded to it and realizing that it's delicious and exciting and and that it has these positive impacts and and that's a it's a really exciting place to be right now and that is also a very good positive place to end thank you so much it's been really fascinating talking to you oh absolute pleasure thanks for having me